0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night wherever you are around the world, and welcome to another episode of Endurance Chat. I am bloodman Man Eleven, and today we are looking towards the Creventic Twelve Hours of Bruno. Uh, now, some of you might be might be wondering why uh, our podcast, which is normally focused on WEC and IMSA and uh, the European Le Mans Series, is dabbling in a Creventic Series race. But I have with me. Uh, Obscure Motorsport Specialist, uh, Chris Washer, 97. So, Chris, why are we focusing so hard on a Craventic race?
1: Well, we're focusing really hard on this Craventic race because we had a Craventic car, a race car driver, Luke Bruckers, who previously competed in the TCR Middle East Championship and the, 20, in the uh, Middle East Endurance Championship that Craventic has. He even won in, the, uh, in some of those races that they have in the Middle East. And I asked him, because he popped in a Discord out of just, you know, a one-off situation. How can we or can we put a sticker on his car? Because he announced he was racing the Red Camel car for the 12 Hours of Bruno. To make things short, he pretty much said, yeah, well, I'll, you know what? Let's just sponsor the entire grid for 400 euros. And thanks to the efforts of this community, we got to that goal within a day or two. And now we have our stickers across Ferraris, Porsches, TCRs, and just random, you know, touring cars are going to be entered in this race in Bruno this weekend.
0: Yeah, that is, that is outstanding. And we'll talk a bit more about that later on. Um, But yeah, we're we're actually uh, sponsoring this race. Uh, So, uh, Endurance chat and the R slash WEC community has put together a bunch of money to yeah put all these stickers on the rear of the car. So if you are watching this weekend, and I hope you do, uh, have a look for the rear where the rear number plate would be on these cars, and that'll be our sticker. So once uh, Luke gave us the go ahead and said that we could do it, and got us in contact with Kurentik, uh yeah, it became about putting together the money pool, and yeah, as Chris mentioned. Uh, I put it up just after the qualifying for the spa, WC Spa six hours. And literally within three hours, we'd already exceeded the pool amount. So I woke up to a bunch of notifications saying, your money pool has exceeded the, the prescribed amount. So that's a testament. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. So that's a testament to uh, the people who put the money in to start with to convince me that, they were, that there was enough interest to get this to happen. And so that includes people like Chris who put up a, a, a not insignificant amount and also asked the question to start with. So thank you very much, Chris. And every single one of you in the community for making this happen. It's kind of cool to have the power uh, in an abstract sense of a, of a community that's able to do this sort of thing on such short notice. And I think having this sort of tangible viewing of having our stickers for our community on the cars for this race will be something really, really cool. Uh, so yeah, we're we're sponsoring a Creventic race. Damn, <laughs> doesn't that sound cool to say? It's not just some small event
1: either. That the event itself, uh, twelve hours of Bruno, there's not you know prestige to it, even though it held twelve hour uh, twelve hour race and a twenty four hour race in its previous formats with Creventic. But the fact that it has free, non geo live streaming, so it has the potential to get all this access from people from around the world, and the fact that it's not like a person that no, nobody knows or a few select know who's commentating it. It's radio Lamont themselves. Paul Trustwell is at the track this weekend. I'm pretty sure you, you're going to get maybe John Hind and maybe Johnny Palmer in the mix as well. So it's going to be awesome to see, know that they're going to be at the track, or at least the pit reporters are going to be, and they're going to see our stickers and hopefully maybe one of them, well, the uh, commentary team and the uh, pit reporters, you know, they see the sticker and it piques their interest. That's the goal here. Try to get the people in the paddock, the drivers, the engineers, you know, the team owners, and Radio Lamar themselves. Maybe they'll notice the sticker and maybe they'll get involved in our efforts here and in the subreddit and the podcast itself.
0: Yeah, fingers crossed. And, uh, yeah, it's not necessarily to target everyone in the world who might be watching, but it's it's those people who, who might have heard of us and might know about us who all of a sudden see us somewhere and go, oh, hang on, what's this? So that's it's really cool, and I'm glad that we've pushed this along, and I'm glad that you, Chris, have been audacious enough to ask ask the question because a lot of us wouldn't be brave enough to. And, yeah, it's uh, it's good that we've got someone like you who can go ahead and do that. So thank you very much, Chris. Oh, I, honestly, it was kind of a shot in the dark thing. It was like, hey, yeah. can you put a sticker on Like I, I was thinking maybe like
1: a small little sticker, maybe by the Fender, because some teams will just do that for free. Yeah. Uh, but he was like, yeah, like 90 bucks and we'll slap a big sticker, a pretty big sticker on it. I was like, whoa, then 400 euros for the entire grid? Pretty much a steal for that much exposure. And the fact that if you look on our subreddit, potentially, as of right now when this podcast gets released, probably already seen it, but it might be already on the front page or the, on the second page. There's a, an example. It's the Red Campbell Jordan car that Luke Brokers will be driving himself with his brother and dad, I believe. Yep. And it has, right in the bottom, a big, sticker showing our our subreddit logo and the endurance chat logo it's a really big bigger than what we expected to be honest so that the fact that it was bigger than what we expected thrills us it means the tv cameras are probably going to catch us easily (laughs) where i
0: imagine the turn one camera is going to be i think we're going to see a lot of shots and our stickers in the rear of those cars it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun um but before we get to that point first of all what is the creventic 24-hour series
1: so Carvantic is mainly kind of an amateur championship. Uh, you most likely know the 24 Hours of Dubai, which a bunch of pro drivers and pro teams enter because it's the first endurance race of the, week, of, of the year. Um, we're pro teams for GT3 at least. Um, but keep in mind, this is mainly an amateur championship, and every time they go into that driver's meeting, the pro drivers are reminded that, hey, it's not your race. This is for the amateurs. And 24 Hours Dubai has made it feel like this big spectacle for the amateurs to feel like they have something big to race at. So think about like the American club, how American club racers feel about Thunder Hill. It's that big of an event. And Creventic prides itself on listening to the teams and the drivers. That's why you see so many calendar shifts throughout the years. Um, They normally don't stick to the same schedule um, twice, they normally change a track here to hear there because they the drivers respond with feedback on where they wanna go. That's why you see like Mugello, Imula, um you, you only right. saw Navarro for one season because drivers are kinda of iffy on it. It's just no uh, Craventic listens to his teams and but but it doesn't become toxic like you see in major racing series with the big manufacturers. It's just teams and driver owners, you know, thinking about, you know, their financial situation. Hey can we do this because it's cheaper? And Creventic will do that because their customers is are those teams and drivers.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. And I'm just on the Creventic About Us page on their website now. And I think this sums it up very, very nicely. Indeed, providing top-level racing with a relaxed paddock environment has seen the 24-hour series tour extensively around the world. Our focus has never been win at all costs. For more than 13 years, Creventic has prided itself on offering high-quality Professional service along a welcoming, approachable atmosphere in its paddock. Team spirit, fair racing, and enjoyable competition with an international flair are our bread and butter. And I think that is the perfect blurb for the Creventic series. It's as much about getting to the finish and having fun doing it as it is about those teams at the front who want to win. And that's typified in the way that Creventic... Yeah, as Chris mentioned, listen to their competitors. Um, offer different racing and different classes to fit what their competitors want to race in these series, and where they go. Yeah, and I think, I think that's something that we don't get to see enough of at the top level. A lot of the time, it's so, pardon me, focused on getting to the finish and winning. Uh, whereas at Creventic, at least, it's a lot more about the enjoyment of the series. And to be honest, the Creventic races that I have watched, uh, the 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 broadcasting crew also gets very into it as well. I think Nick Damon in the pits is one of the funniest efforts of Radio Le Mans through Creventic races because he's just in there having an absolute laugh, and it's a great time. Um, and yeah, Creventic, Creventic is just a good time. Now, they've got a wide variety of races and uh teams that can uh enter. So of course there is the GT classes. So you've got uh what's called A6 Pro and AM, which is your GT3 you know, equivalent to GT3. They also feature on occasion the SPX class, which you would see at the VLN or at the Nürburgring 24 hour. Uh that has been for Non-homologated GT cars, such as the Glickenhaus, has raced in Creventic before, and some non-homologated GT4 cars as well. Uh, and but one of the one of the big calling cards of Creventic at the moment is its strength in its TCR class, isn't it? Yeah, the TCR class, especially when you get to the bigger races like the Championship
1: of the Continents, like 24 Hours Dubai, Portimao, and Barcelona and Circuit of the Americas. TCR class has become one of the cheapest ways to go racing nowadays, and the fact that we're sponsoring the, one of the main reasons is because the TCR team allowed us to sponsor all those race cars. Um, the fact that you can get maybe, I can't remember off the top of my head how many TCR cars we have in this Bruno grid, but the fact that we have this many compared to the GT cars shows how cost effective this is, and for Creventic as a whole cost-effective is their goal, like we mentioned earlier. They don't have refueling in the pit lane to save money on refueling rigs and the, whatever. People people in the pits, tire changers, engineers, they wear khaki shorts and little <laughs> polo shirts. And, but, you know, obviously when they, they have a refueling rig in the back of the paddock somewhere and obviously that the proper refueling gear that's needed. But the fact that even the 32-car 32, 32 grid in bruno in eastern central europe where endurance racing is not that common it's not that you know easy to get into because not many championships in there the closest thing you have is the uh, central european zone racing championships and they only have a select amount of gt3s and you'll you'll see uh, some of those central european zone racing championship cars the the mercedes cdc mdc mercedes and the olymp racing uh audi i believe or Porsche, those teams come from the Central European Zone Racing Championship. So it just shows that Kreventic is eager to target those niche markets that other racing championships won't even dip their foot into.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of uh, cars on this entry list which are from the Czech Republic or in Belgium or closer to the eastern sort of side. Like there's the races from Poland and uh yeah, it's just a really nice mix. Um, so, on top of the TCR field, there's also GT4, a cup class for 911s, and a few production cars at the tail of the field, uh, which are split into SP3 and A3, which would be, uh, let me get this right, uh, SP3 would be turbocharged, and A3 would be non-turbocharged, right? About that, you yeah. normally see A3 is
1: the slower of the two classes, so A3 is... Um, if I remember correctly, is
0: maybe your Peugeot RCZs? Is that, uh, I'm, think, I'm thinking, they... not in this race. Uh, we've got uh, a few BMW Cup cars, so an M240i and an E46. There's a Honda Civic as well. And then the SP3 class, we've got a BMW M3 V8. Uh, so I think it's just older GT cars. That would make sense.
1: Yeah, like older-style touring cars, stuff
0: yeah. that wouldn't quite fit
1: the – and that's what great, great about Creventic. They have a classroom about everything. Even Creventic even has a class that no one really knows about because no one enters their car into <laughs> there because it, they like to run it. They like to run the newer GT3 models, but they have GT Retro. They try to make it into a separate series, but obviously there wasn't much interest to make it work. So if you look deep inside the regulation rule book that they have online, they have you know the whole BOP tables they have GT Retro for maybe, I think it's 20, 15 or older GT3 cars. Um, but it's definitely older than a few years ago, GT3 cars, that allow, that fit into those GT3 Retro regulations that teams can put their money into, but no one is, you know, effectively raced in that class, yet.
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a really cool, welcoming, open sort of series. And I think uh, something else that typifies that is that Creventic uh, – don't charge tickets for their races. They they just basically open I everything's mean, free, yeah. Yeah. So they the, the way that they work it is they basically buy the track time as a as a test session, an open test session, and then just open the gates. So if you are looking to get to some free endurance racing, twenty four hours of Barcelona will be on later this year. Uh, there's also Portimao in Portugal. Uh, So, we already mentioned Dubai at the very beginning of the year. That's something that sticks around at the beginning of the year. Um, There's also, uh, has been Mugello, uh, and then uh, we've mentioned Barcelona. There's also a 500-lap TCR race at Spa-Francorchamps, which should work out to be about 24 hours, I think, or maybe a bit longer. They have a 23-hour time
1: limit now, so it's kind of like the WEC 1,000 miles of Sebring situation. It's probably going to end of their time
0: certainty. Yep, and then finally, the 24 hours of the Circuit of the Americas is something that a lot of our uh, WEC members and listeners uh, of the Endurance Chat podcast go to if you're in the States. So definitely try and check that one out because, yeah, as I mentioned, free entry to watch endurance racing. How good is that? Chris, how good is that? if you had the funds to get to texas would you go to the creventic race
1: i would definitely go to the creventic race because normally they get really decent grids there's a bunch of american teams that show up from the uh, sro america and NIMSA side of things and the fact that um might be dropping a hint here if there's enough support and if we decide to go through that we may have our stickers back for circuit of the americas no confirmed not going ga- n- to confirm not
0: fingers crossed fingers
1: crossed but that's (laughs) still it's in november
0: yeah so we'll talk now about this event the 12 hours of bruno uh and firstly i want to take you through a track lap because this quite possibly is one of my favorite tracks in the world so here we go we're going to take you on board a lap of the bruno autodrome circuit Uh, Back in 2015 at the seat of Martin Conrad's Audi R8 GT3. We're just crossing the start finish line now as we start this lap of the autodrome Bruno circuit. Braking for turn one at the 100 board from 250Ks down to about 130 at the middle of the corner. A double apex right hander here as we cut back onto the curb and then use all the curb on the left as the road kinks back towards the left. Uh, making sure to use as much of the AstroTurf as we can as we head into the next set of corners. A left-right chicane, very open in the middle of this, uh, the middle of the corner here, about 120 Ks per hour as we go to the left, and then breathe on the throttle as we go back towards the right and head. Now, downhill slightly as we go all the way across the AstroTurf into the stadium section on the infield of the circuit. About break at the 100 board for this tight right-hander, 90-degree right-hander, which doubles again to another 90-degree right-hander, taking about 130 k's, and then this long, slow left-hand hairpin, slowest corner on the track at about 85 kilometers per hour. Bring the throttle up gently as we cross the astro turf on the right, and then break again for another tight left-hander. We make sure to hug the left hand apex here as we then switch towards the right and take a late apex on this right-hander to go back down the hill towards the bowl this is one of the longest straights on the track we want to maximize our speed as we break for the bowl corner right at the bottom of the hill. It's a tight right-hander, about hundred k's per hour that sends us back up the hill as we cross all the AstroTurf and then break again for this left-right chicane. Very open again, nice constant radius corners as we take an early apex on the left-hander and a late apex on the right. And we struggle back up the hill over the AstroTurf heading into the final complex of corners. You're all uphill here, and the engine's breathing hard. Come up to the last set of corners. Again, a left-hander, followed by a right. Hug that left-hand apex. Take as much of the road on the right as you can to ensure a late apex on that right-hander that brings you back across the main straight, and that is a lap of the Autodrome Bruno. Man, I love this track. I love this track so much. It's one of my favorites in the world. And I want to see more racing here. Why don't more series come here, Chris? Why don't more series come to Renault? Oh, man. I mean, it's all about the money, unfortunately.
1: Because yeah. so it's all pretty far out from the rest of the circuits you see in Europe. And the fact that we've seen reports that the MotoGP race is even at jeopardy because of money issues. So, unfortunately... The dollars, the bottom line, and Bruno is not doing that well, um, and unfortunately, with the bigger events. That's why you only see the very small events. Um, if you want to see more of Bruno, though, I mean, you can look up the KTM Crossbow Battle YouTube channel, and there's Histo Cup Austria if you want some historic racing on there. And, then, of course, you got the KTM One Make Series that features the GT4 cars and the Open Cockpit KTM Crossbows. So they're still racing there. Maybe not the, the Series that you would you know want to have, but the series there there. If you want to see more racing at Bruno, if you if it's possible, if you near the track, we show them some, some support, give the track some money, and hopefully it'll get some bigger series in the future.
0: Man, the fact that you can just rattle that off off the top of your head is just amazing. That's that's crazy, Chris. Absolutely crazy. Um, but yeah, of course, a lot of people would know this track for its motorbike uh, origins. Uh, of course, in the MotoGP world, um, it is one of the I, I said it already, one of my favorite tracks, one of the coolest tracks. I think just the location in the. Uh, in the Czech Republic, in the countryside there, uh, with the sweeping downhill bowl and then having to fight your way back up the hill. It's just a really, really cool place to watch racing. And I hope, yeah, I hope that the track uh, a bit more of the forefront of some sports car racing because I'd love to see if... I, I would absolutely, like, wet myself if the European Le Mans series did a race here. I reckon that would just be the best, the best way to watch this race. Okay, sorry, I'm going to stop fangirling about Bruno now. We'll talk a bit more. <laughs> About some some real stuff. So what about the format for this weekend? It's got a very interesting format that Kreventic have run uh, for a few times now. It's actually a split 12-hour so what that means is that we've got qualifying tomorrow, so we're recording this on Thursday, we've got qualifying tomorrow on the Friday early in the morning, and then we have a three hour first part of the twelve hours of Bruneau, and then the races come back the next day to complete the rest of the race, the final nine hours. Now, what do you think about this format, Chris? Because I definitely have some thoughts about it. It's Creventic, and I know Craventic's deal is that they want to
1: have the race in you know, one piece traditionally but the fact that Craventic isn't doing this to be some sort of gimmick so my thoughts about it is, isn't really that far from what Craventic has in mind they, they're doing it because they have to yeah. because some of these tracks that they go to have noise limit ordinances they can't have racing up to a certain point so up in the middle of the night it's a, it's a no deal they can't do it so the next best thing they can do, they still want to go these tracks. Creventic will not give up on these tracks. If they have a noise ordinance, Craventic will work with them on that. So that's why you see, um, off the top of my head, I can name Mugello. Yeah. I know Spa has a noise ordinance limit, for, except for anything regarding the 25 race I have there. Everything outside of that, can't race during the night. So... They're using the split race format so they can still have these endurance races at these, at these tracks that
0: physically can't handle a, you know, a 12 hour, 24 hour race. Yeah. And I think that's fair enough. It does at least at the very least have a big chunk of, uh, you know, a nine hour, or I think in Magello's case, it's an eight hour finishing run. So you actually have to work for that last, uh, last chunk of the race. Um, but on the other hand, it does turn the first part into a bit of a a bit of a stage race, like a bit of a you know three hour muck about. Uh, yeah, it's basically like a three hour qualifying race that you don't get any points for. Now, what do you think about that in terms of you know the culture of Kreventik? Do you think that works for Kreventik?
1: I I thought the same thing. How I always had that mindset too with these split race formats. So how the first part was sort of just like a qualifying race. But strategies that can play out I mean, it can make it can make you focused and make you more interested in the race actually. Because some some drivers and teams they want to win the part of the thing. So they have track position when they start that in the morning uh, on that Saturday. But some teams they'll go right at the last minute and fill their cars up right to the brim with with fuel. So they can well have the track position but the cars in front of them will be coming into the pits, coming to the refueling rigs, getting their fuel done. And if you know Creventic, those refueling rigs, getting fuel takes a lot of time. Yep. So you, they won't be out on that racetrack and claiming
0: those positions, potentially getting back right to the front where they were before they pitted the, the day before. Yeah, so we'll, we'll touch on the refueling in a second, but I have a question for you then. Um, I am, i don't watch a lot of Creventic racing, so I'm not 100% sure on how this works. So... Is it park ferme conditions between the end of part one and the start of part two? So you're not allowed to touch the cars, basically. Is that right? Cor- correct. You're not allowed to touch the cars.
1: And any, um, if you're lapped lap down from a car when you finish part one, you're still lap down from that car when you start yep. part two. Okay. The well, interesting part about this is that with gaps, say if you're within a lap from someone, they, they, Corvette's known for trying to keep the gaps in place that the drivers earned. Well, they kind of get erased if you're within the lap and you had maybe had a 58 second gap when you crossed the line in part one. Well, you're going to be starting right next to them, yeah, barely a second. So that's kind of mixed us in with the strategy too. So.
0: So, for the for the overall cars, the A6 cars, staying on the lead lap in that first section is going to be pretty important. Crucial. It's yeah. crucial. Now, one final question. What if a car suffers damage or a breakdown in part one? Can that get fixed overnight and then go to the grid at the back of part two? Is that, is that allowed or is that a violation of yeah, part will,
1: Yeah, Creventic will allow the car to be fixed. They'll allow your team. They'll... Assess you a penalty that probably puts you in the back of the grid. Maybe have a, a uh, maybe, how many laps they decide to put you down? That'd be the penalty, but that'd be about it. Just they they'll dock you a few laps and they'll put you in the back of the grid,
0: but they'll allow you to fix your car and be allowed back Awesome, that's fantastic, and I think. Uh yeah, the split race format, I think, works for Creventic because, as I mentioned at the top of the show, it is about getting to the finish and having fun doing it, not necessarily about winning at all costs uh, at every every point of the race. So while this might not work for, say, a WEC race or an ELMS race or, you know, pick a championship, it, it might not work for everything, for Creventic I think it does a very good job. And yeah, I, I was unsure about whether or not they would be allowed to fix things, but that makes... It's a lot, uh, a lot more, yeah, a lot more, not casual, but a lot more relaxed. It means that, yeah, you're you're out there to test your skills against some professional uh, professional teams and uh, some other dri- professional drivers and teams around your same level. And it means that you can, you know, push yourself to be the best, but not worry about having to beat everyone all the time. I think that's really, really cool. And I really do like that side of Kroventic. Now, you mentioned the refueling. Can you explain to us, please, how the refueling works at a Creventic race? You mentioned earlier as well that they don't have any refueling kits in the lane. So how do they refuel the cars? Because you can't do a 12-hour race on one tank of fuel. Well, I think
1: I mentioned before in the podcast, they have a thing in the back of the paddock, somewhere in the paddock, that there's a complete refueling rig station set up where they have a maybe, off the top of my head, maybe seven or eight, uh, maybe less, maybe more of those refueling rigs and the fact that sometimes you might just simply state you might get screwed because if you're coming in, especially after part two, if you decide not to pit during part one, you may find yourself when all of those refueling rigs are full or taken up. So that means you're losing precious time just waiting for a chance to refuel. So that's something um, maybe other people that don't like about Creventic is the fact that, Obviously, when you go, you always have a chance to refuel. In a regular race, when Preventic, there's only seven or eight spots to where you can get fuel from. And if, there's a, if they're all taken, you're pretty much done for, at least in terms of losing that amount of time, maybe a couple minutes to maybe five. Um, and, and that pretty much leaves you in the position where you just pretty much need the cars ahead of you to be in the wreck and have bad luck.
0: Yeah, and and you made a comment there that there there's pure Bowsers, but they're not like race fueling Bowsers. They are like what you would see at a you know fuel refueling station at the side of the road. They're what you would use on your car. They're yeah, they're just out the back of the pits like any other racetrack. So it it takes a long time to refuel, and you could see cars I think go a lap down just for trying to refuel uh, so that's another another thing that comes into the mix uh, one last thing that comes into the mix I think Creventic does better than almost any other series is the code 60 so can you talk us through uh, how code 60 works for Creventic
1: so pretty much uh, Creventic has a uh, flag where it's purple with pr- like a white circle and has a 60 inside so the code sixty means that car all cars have to slow down to sixty kilometers per hour no matter where they are in the circuit, and that ensures that everybody gets to keep their gaps that they have earned. So you don't see anyone bunching up at Gravanteca race. That's why you see so many um so many races where maybe they lead or win the race by two or three laps is because they never really get rid of the gaps as regular races have safety cars that would do that. So code sixty is pretty much ensure that you know the drivers the race continues with no um <clears throat> no slow effect um because code 60 there's no safety car follow the around. there's just everyone's doing it on their own mm. as soon as the safety crews are done it goes green flag right away there's no waiting for the start finish line the safety car to pull into to start the restart the race,
0: yeah, and that's and that's something that the Nurburgring has adopted as well. Um, but they do it in sections. Uh, the WC does it with the the uh the code 60 or the virtual safety car as well. That's something uh that has been adopted by a lot of other sports car series because of how well it's worked in Creventic and at the Nurburgring 24. Uh, so, I yeah, that's one of the things that Craventica has, has done really well and they do it better than anyone else. I was watching the Twenty Four Hours of Dubai earlier this year and the the awareness of the car the drivers to make that Code sixty work on top of the safety crews and the recovery teams and the marshals who do all the work while the code sixty is happening, they do it so perfectly and so well. Uh even for a uh, you know, more relaxed uh, level of racing uh, that it just works really nicely, and it's a great joy to watch. And I I very much appreciate how well they do it. Uh, so we should talk a bit now about the cars on the entry list because I mentioned before the different classes. Um, we've got the at this race we've got uh, I think uh, nine A six cars, so nine GT threes, uh, four Carrera Cup class cars, a group of. One, two, three, four, five, six GT4 cars, eight touring cars, and then the three uh, A3 cars, and then the one SP3 car. So a bit of a mixed grid, uh, but interestingly at the top, only two cars in A6 Pro, which is your um GT3 Pro. Uh one of them Olimp Racing from Poland uh in an Audi R8 2019. And the other one, uh, Scuderia Praha uh, in the Ferrari 488 GT3.
1: Yeah, so OLIP Racing, I think I said earlier, also in the podcast, is that they race in the uh, FIA Central European Zone Racing Cup, which races, obviously, in the Central European Zone that the FIA mandates. And that's also coinciding with the SET 4 Cup. They raced in Corventic before. They had relatively decent success. Um, They led a few laps. Actually, they led a few hours can't remember which race is on top of my tongue, but they have been up in the front. They have led, obviously. their are AM drivers and some mistakes in the pits. Um, car troubles put them down the order. But but here's the thing. Their other competitor in the A6 Pro class, that's really stiff competition because Scuderia Pro has been winning a bunch. They have won, I believe, the 12 hours of Mugello and the 12 hours of Spa this year overall. And but decent, relatively decent margins. So Scuderia Praha, that's some stiff competition they're going to for their first Creventic race in a while.
0: Yeah, and on that note, uh, the Scuderia Praha car does have one Matteo Malicelli behind the wheel, who is a full out-and-out professional. So he's going to be a key in that A6 Pro class, definitely. Um, A6M has a decent subscription. Uh, There's cars from uh, MDC Sports, uh, Walkenspiegel, Team Monschau, which is a name that, uh, if you follow Kroventik, would be very familiar. Um, Car Collection Motorsport is in there as well. They won the first round at the 24 Hours of Dubai. That was in the A6 Pro class, though. This is in just A6M entered today uh, for this one. Uh, there's, uh, the second car collection motorsport car feature, does feature Marcus Winkelhock behind the wheel. That's the orange and black car. So that was the car that won at, uh, Dubai. There's also, uh, Herberth Motorsport, who would be very well known if you follow Creventic. And finally, CP Racing, which features a few drivers that I've seen in a bunch of places before. Charles Putnam, Charles Espinelb, and Joey Foster. Now, they used to run, I believe it was a Porsche GT4 car as Pro Sport, if that's correct. I think it was actually a
1: Porsche Cup car. Okay. It was just a regular one Cup car. They did that, and then they switched to the Mercedes a year or two ago, and they actually had an A6 win. At the 12 hours of Navarre last year, and they might have had one more that my brain is failing to remember for me. But they have been successful in that Mercedes AMG. And the fact that I mean, it's a nine car GT3 grid, you never know that maybe seven or eight other GT3 cars has a problem compared to other grid sizes. Bruno's the realistic chance for them to have an overall win.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that would be pretty cool. Um so that's a that's a beautifully presented blue, white, and red mercedes. Uh, just quick touch on Herbert motorsport uh, They are quite famous as the the leading Porsche team in Creventic. They won I think it was the twenty four hours of Dubai last year um, and they've been pretty successful. One of their drivers, uh Robert Renauer, actually started as an amateur in this car and now has been promoted to a professional because of how well he's done at the seat of a Porsche 911. So keep an eye out for them. They have a red and black example of the Porsche 911 GT3 uh, at this event. So that'll be very easy to see. So that's the GT3 field. Um, As I mentioned before, four 911 cup cars. So these are the brand new Porsche 911 991 II. Um, I can't, Pick out anyone who might be well known. Um, but interestingly, there is a team registered from Luxembourg with a group of Russian drivers driving in this uh in this class. Um, so that's a bit of a, a bit of an odd combination, isn't it?
1: Uh, is that duo racing? That is wow. How do you know that? <laughs> I just remembered duo racing next to a Luxembourg flag because I've been studying the Centralists for quite a while because I know Kreventik um, I don't know if this is being included in the podcast, but Krovencic has a history of having maybe bolstering grids for what seems like months before the, as soon as the crunch time hits, the entries start dropping a little bit as teams fail yeah. to fight. Find-
0: yeah, that's fair enough. Um, yeah, so that's the G. Uh, that's the 911 class. GT4 has, I think I mentioned, uh, six entries. So we have, let's have a look here. We've got an Aston Martin Vantage. A- the new one? Uh, maybe it's, a, it's the well, GT4. What team name? Uh, that's Pro Sport Performance. So that's got... That is the new GT4 Aston, actually. Wow, okay. That'll be re- really interesting. Is this the is this one of the debuts for the GT4 Aston one, Or has that been raced before?
1: Um, it's been...
0: I don't know if it raced at magella but it did race in the 12 hours of... Spa, yeah, it looks uh, the the image they've got on the spotters guide looks like it's from Spa because it has the Belgian coloured uh curbing uh as the car goes past. So that one is going to be very interesting to have a look at. Um, there's also Hoffa Racing, which is a very famous name. Uh, that's actually got um Thomas Jaeger in that car amongst others, uh, in a BMW. And there's uh. A, Another BMW from uh, Senker Motorsport, which is a Czech local team. There's two uh, KTM crossbows. One of them features actually Thomas Enger, a uh, professional Czech Republic driver. And then finally, there is a uh, QSR racing school with a Mercedes AMG. So an actual decent variety in GT4, which is actually nice to see. I mean, and you said six cars in GT4? Yep, six cars and, th- and... <laughs> five different manu-
1: oh, four different manufacturers. That's still a decent you know, variety of cars, like you said, even if Craventica, unfortunately, that's a small grid for a GT4 class. Um, the variety is still there. So you won't get, well, you might, the racing might not be as good. Yep. But the fact that they're going to show a different manufactured GT4, they're going to drive different. They're going to have a different way into the corners, the straights, you know, different strengths and advantages. So the first parts of those races, they're going to be fun to watch because the cars are so different instead of being maybe um, French GT4 where all there is is, you know, Alpines and Janettas uh, and, you know, stuff like that.
0: Yep. Um, we'll move on to TCR now. So this is, uh, I think, an eight-car field um we'll skip red Cameron, we'll come back to them later so there's a Seat Leon registered to Switzerland for TTC racing um Monlau in a Cupra so that's another Seat I think I think it's a uh, I think that's how that works um yeah. there's a team from Sweden driving a Volkswagen so Leicester drop racing team um Autorama Motorsport by Wolf Power Racing are uh, driving a Volkswagen. Now, you wanted me to mention this team specifically. Why was that? Um, because they won the 24 Hours of Dubai in DCE part of the
1: series this year, and wow. they fought tooth hard. And I uh, can't remember who they were facing with, but I know that Red Campbell Jordans, which we we will talk to later, they were integral in that fight. They were fighting for them a bit earlier on in the race as. Unfortunately, in the twenty-four hours of Dubai, later on in the race, their car kind of faltered a bit. They re- got redemption in the twelve hours of Spa, but that that TCR car that won Dubai was, I mean, they're they're always up front in these TCR races. So it's something. To look, this is a team to definitely watch out for because they always
0: they don't seem to have any problems with the car at all. That's brilliant. And these TCR cars actually uh, have been shown to be very robust for an endurance racing effort. Uh, we're seeing them now in uh, in Australia as well. And we could be looking at them becoming a class uh, that does more and more endurance racing. Because, yeah, as I mentioned, they're very robust. Um, we've got a few Hyundais in the field as well. Oh, sorry, we've got one Hyundai in the field. Um, another Cupra for... NKPP Racing by Bass Curtain, which was the uh, one of the cars that uh, I think was the challenger at... Yeah, Bass Curtain Racing was the challenger at yeah, uh, the 24 was... Hours of Dubai. AC Motorsports in an Audi RS3 uh, featuring a semi-pro driver. And we'll round back up to Red NL, the team from the Netherlands, um, which is in a Cooper TCI. So this car is the family car of Ivo Brukers, Luke Brukers, and Rick Brueckers. I got the name wrong two, two out of three times. It's meant to be breakers. So <laughs> what's so important about this car? Yeah, I mean, they won 12
1: hours of spa last month. And I believe AC Motorsport was their challenger for the, for the spa race last month as well. So you mentioned AC Motorsport. I mean, they're good as well, as long as the, um, the Wolf team. Those three teams, I believe they're off the top of my head. Those are the ones I think are going to be fighting for this cha- for this race in Bruno because those are the three teams that always seem to be up front. You never, especially, and, and Bass Coodin also. Um, they, I don't think they get nearly as enough credit as they should. Um, those four teams Bass um the Wolf TCR team, the Volkswagen, AC Motorsport, and the Red Camel team are going to be the ones are in this dogfight for this TCR class. And Red Camel Jordans, um, obviously, you know, they help run the series. Um, so no matter where they are on the grid, where they are on the timing, where they are on the track, you're going to see coverage of that car circling around. So they're always going to be on the forefront no matter where they are in the grid or not. Even if they're stuck in the pits working on something, they're going to send a camera crew straight down there.
0: Brilliant. And of course, that was the car with Luke Brokers, who was the driver who found the RSSWC community Discord after getting directed to us from the Touring Car Discord. Uh, And he was the one who helped make all of this happen. So... Yeah, fantastic. Thank you very much again um, to the brokers. And yeah, good luck for that red camel car. That's probably going to be the one that we'll support because of, you know, reasons. Finally, finally, um, production cars or uh, lower, like older cup cars. So we've got a SP3, a BMW M3 V8 GTR. Uh, So that looks like it's an old gt car from the mid 2000s and then the a3 class uh three cars a bmw e46 uh a honda civic fk8 f- type r and a bmw m240i cup car so that would be one of the bmw cup cars from the nordschleife of the vln uh category correct
1: uh yeah about and
0: these lower type classes below tcr
1: and unfortunately you're only seeing grids of maybe four at the maximum. Yeah. Um, so the story the story of these classes, then you're not gonna be talking about the intense battling and racing that's going on. You're gonna be talking about three the reliability. You know, how many are they gonna finish this race? It's one of the last kind of the last classes in endurance racing and modern endurance racing that you still have to beg the beg the question, are they gonna finish this race? And the fact that, you know, the the mentality that, hey, we need to go into the pits. We need to fix this car as fast as we can to get back out on track. And we still have a shot winning this. You don't really get to say that about much of modern endurance racing these days.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's cool it's cool at least to see guys who just want to come and race and test themselves. And I think that's something very respectable. And if I had the money and access to do all that sort of stuff, I sure as hell would. It would be freaking great. Wouldn't you? Oh, that'd be awesome. Exactly. Um, So I think that just about wraps everything up for this race. So finally, whereabouts can we watch this race if we are interested in seeing our stickers on all of these cars? So Friday and Saturday, uh, you got to look on
1: YouTube. Um, That's the most reliable, the best way to watch it, I think. Got to look up 24H series on the search bar and you'll see the YouTube channel. You got to click subscribe. Um, you know, get that in your inbox and stuff so you know when they're live they have live streams, and they have a second YouTube account, 0221 Media, I think it's called. That's where you're going to get all the onboards of the cars that, oh. that are available, that Preventic leases out. So you, that's where you get the onboards, 0221 Media, and 24H Series on YouTube is where you get the main race.
0: Fantastic. And, of course, we will have that all together in a race thread, probably posted by uh, our own Chris Washer, maybe? Are you going to do that? or? Uh- Are you busy this weekend? Yeah, that's going to happen. That's going to happen. Fantastic. That'd be great. We'll have that cross-posted, of course, to the WEC Reddit page, so that way you can keep contact on that, so it'll all be in one nice little spot for you. Uh, We will have discussion for this race as well in the Discord, so if you haven't joined the Discord, give that a shot. Uh, And, yeah, it's it's going to be a nice, fun race, and it's going to be, I think, one of the last big races that we look at before we all get super hyped up for the 24 hours of Le Mans this year, which is, as of recording, only three and a half weeks away. So we are getting very, very close to track action at Le Mans as well. Uh, Thank you very much, Chris, uh, for helping me out with this preview and for everything else in getting this together. Oh, it's no problem. I I mean, it's such an exciting
1: event we sponsoring the damn race, so <laughs> you gotta get excited for that fact that all of our stickers are gonna be on Ferraris, Porsches, uh, even TCR cars like Volkswagens, and you got you know m- pristine racing drivers like Matteo Um, In the fact that maybe those drivers and teams, like I said before, maybe look at interest and take a sneak peek in what we do here.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic, and it's thanks to thanks to of course uh, Luke Broikers for help uh, for getting involved. And being willing to help out us, and of course to you for being willing to ask the question, and then to everyone else who donated money, uh, Lada who put together the stickers, and uh, Kreventik who, yeah, allowed us to do this as well. So yeah, thanks to everyone involved. Uh, thanks again to you, Chris. Thanks again to Luke, uh, Brokers, and thanks again to everyone. Uh, I hope you enjoy the weekend of racing, and yeah, hopefully it's it's a good race for everyone to watch. So thank you for listening. I'm in 11 Peace out.
1: Good day, everyone. They they won 12 hours of Spa last month,
0: oh, man. You just got there, super there. duper quiet, so I'm going to ask you to repeat that. They won the 12
1: hours of Spa last month in April.
0: So- you're you're still super <laughs> quiet. Are you sure you're not covering the microphone at the moment? Yeah, that'd be it. Yeah, there you go. Third time's a charm.